my story. This is your story. Come on, listen. I need to rescue my sinners heavy. The chains break at the waiting. Stop the Lord Almighty. 
Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Well, my name is Janessa, if you don't know me, and myself, and Leah, and Patty, and John, and Sean, will lead you, to, lead you in worship this morning. A, a power outage knocked us out last week, so I'm so happy that I get to be up here again and see all of your faces. Um, when we worship, we kneel before our maker. We bring all of our, our sins and our worries and our troubles. And we lay them at his feet. And he washes us white as snow. And he gives us the ability to walk from here free from sin, free from guilt. And it is a beautiful and it is a powerful thing. So as we worship, remember that. Remember the, the wonderful gift that he gave us, that he washed us as white as snow with his blood. Let's pray. Dear God, may your love and your mercy be on us today. Cleanse and refresh us from every transgression. Let your joy and gladness dawn in our spirits and the recreating power of your spirit make us new. And let your spirit lead us in truth and righteousness. Amen.
through this offering is the seniors ministry and they are also meeting after church upstairs for soup and buns Um, anyone is welcome what a wonderful way it is to um, meet new people connect with um, old friends and uh, just grow some community so you can give in any one of these boxes or any of the ways behind me and as we do we're going to sing a little bit of a new song is called Ancient of Days, and it's this um, wonderfully lyrically rich song just about God being at the center of um, our history, our time, our world.
My name is Jake Kostelik, and I'm your host here this morning. And I'm really excited to be here for two very distinct reasons. First of all, I love this church. I love looking out, seeing your faces, the people I know. I love seeing new people, new faces. Um, I've been a member here a long time, and it, this is a place I love. So uh, that's reason number one why I love to be here. And the second is, on the same day that I got asked to do this, I got an email asking if I'd volunteer in the nursery. Um, so... I am so thankful to be doing announcements here today, um, up, up on this level with you all. Um, I don't have favorites or anything, but I love, it's great to see you guys. Um, so a special welcome to our guests, um, people who come regularly and people who come irregularly, whether you're in person or online, if you showed up on time or if you showed up late. Um, Doug and Rachel Ensink, could you stand up, please? I just want to, if you guys could stand up, let's give them a round of applause. They showed up very, very late, um, but they made it. They were here, and they tried to sneak in the back all sheepish, and I saw him, and I just thought, way to go, way to be here today, and this is a judgment-free zone, and we love everyone here. So Doug and Rachel and your family, thank you so much for making it all the way out here, even though you only got to experience part of the service. We're glad you're here and joined you for the part that you're here. Um, our aim is to connect you in community here with love and acceptance. Um, <laughs> seriously, though. Um, so if you're a guest, um, we won't point you out. We only pick on people I know well enough to do that. Um, I want to invite you to fill out a connect card. So we want to get to know you. Um, this is, like I said, an amazing place that I love, and I'd love to, if you're thinking about joining this church, I would love for you to take that plunge and connect with people here. So fill out a Connect card. They're in the seat in front of you. There's boxes in the back. If you Actually, this week, if you bring it to a booth in the foyer, uh, you'll receive a New Life gift bag, and the contents of which are inside, I have no idea, but I bet it's amazing. And if you're watching online, drop a comment. We want to know where you are. Share where you're watching from. Um, and who you are, and you can fill out those cards online as well. Um, so a couple announcements this week. GEMS fundraiser. So GEMS program is the girls program uh, here at New Life Church for girls grade 3 to 7. Uh, the heart of this ministry is to help disciple girls, uh, in their, join them in their faith walk, teach them how they can develop and make an intimate personal relationship with Jesus. Um, it's a, a wonderful program, and they're doing a fundraiser. So to make this the best ministry and to teach them responsibility um, with, um, for this program, they're going to have a fundraiser selling gift cards for everyday purchases from a wider way, uh, array of retail categories. So it's perfect for if you're buying gifts for Christmas coming up in precisely 49 days. Um, place your order today. It's in the church lobby after church. So if you want to support a great cause, um, in the church lobby after the service. Craft Fair, New Life Women's Connections is hosting a craft fair Friday, November 18th from 5 to 9, and then the next day, Saturday the 19th from 10 to 2. So see the many gifts and abilities in our community and maybe finish up the rest of your Christmas shopping. Um, proceeds go to the women's ministry and an upcoming New Life Women's Retreat. Invite your friends, family, and come check that out. So that's the 18th and 19th. Okay, Joshua House is a ministry... Uh, it's a recovery ministry uh, that journeys and helps over, uh, men journeying with addiction overcome their addictions and partners uh, with them. So Joshua House is in a wonderful ministry that we as New Life have been supporting for a long time. And we are thrilled that uh, the directors, Richard and Angie, are here today. 
Uh, so you can meet them in the foyer this morning. They will be selling tickets for the upcoming gala called the Gala of Grace Fundraiser. Um, attending this fundraiser will be a way to support the ministry of Joshua House. Uh, finally, we have two lunch opportunities happening here this afternoon. Two. So, seniors, you are invited to a lunch upstairs, up to the top, room 303, um, after. So it's a senior's lunch. So if you're over, they've said it, if you're over 60. So dad, mom, you guys are welcome to go. Um, everyone else over 60 as well. Uh, New Life Connects is also having a... If New Life Connects is if you're thinking about becoming a member. We talked about that earlier. If you want to know more about it, you want to become a member or learn about it, there's um, a lunch in the conference room out the east doors. That's east. Down the hallway um, after the service. So there's two available options. I guess if you're 60 and think plus and thinking about joining, you have a tough decision to make. Um, so maybe scope out both lunches, see which one has food that you like, and then join there because you'll end up at the same spot um, here at New Life at the end. So kids dismissal. So we're going to change up um, where the kids are exiting, so listen up for that. So every Sunday we have fellowship time, um, and it to- serves two purposes. First is to meet and greet, extend the love of Christ here at New Life. Second is to allow kids to be dismissed without parents missing a, a good chunk of the service. So this week, we're going to have everyone, all the kids, um, three to five-year-old children, which is Little Lights, and kids' church um, grades one to five, all out this door on my right. So when we start, we're, have, we're going to start a three-minute fellowship time now. Uh, so get ready to get up, say hi, uh, greet people you know, seek out people you don't know. If you're looking to break the ice or something awkward to say, you could... Ask them if they were stuck on an island. I always want to know this. If you're stuck on an island for a month and you get the exact same meal, breakfast, lunch, and dinner with no variety, just every morning you wake up and it's there. So one month, the exact same meal, what would you eat? Or you could just ask them how they're doing, but I'm giving you options, people. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Have a great Sunday.
Take a seat, please. And welcome again to New Life. It is indeed just wonderful to be able to uh, be together. And um, thank you for coming today. This is uh, wonderful. This past week, uh, Gail Childs passed away after struggling for some time with... um, pneumonia and lung infections and COVID, and um, so we want to remember uh, Dan, uh, her husband, and uh, Dan Childs, and their two daughters, Sarah and Christy. Uh, Christy's married to Brian. I want to remember them in prayer. Joyce Venema has not been feeling well and uh, continues to struggle. Uh, doctors are trying to find out what's going on with her. We want to lift her up in prayer as well as uh, Jackson Audette, born uh, prematurely and uh, continues to fight for his life. And so we want to pray that God will continue to, to bless him too. And so uh, let's, uh, as we come to God uh, and uh, hear his word, let's uh, come to him in prayer. Father in heaven, It is a privilege to come together here to worship you. Always we are in your presence. This is a reminder that we are in your presence. So God, give us attentive hearts and minds as we seek to be the body of Christ in this world. Father, we pray for this community. We pray especially this morning for Dan Childs and for Sarah and for Christy and Brian. God, we pray for comfort and strength for them. We pray too for Herman and Joyce, Venema. God, we pray that uh, you will bless Joyce today. You will give her uh, peace in the midst of uh, the turmoil of determining what's going on. Father, we pray too for uh, Jackson Audette. We pray that you will continue to uh, just give him health and strength, God. Pray that he can uh, grow uh, to, to be able to breathe on his own. Father, we pray for others too who are struggling, those who are burdened with cares in their life. God, we pray that we may be able to encourage one another, build one another up, even as we gather here to worship you. We pray for our world, Father. So much violence, so much turmoil, so much war. We pray for peace. We pray for your mercy, O God. We pray that in the midst of everything, 
we may continue to be light in the darkness and that you will continue to turn people to you. For you are our salvation. You are the God of this world. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're in this series of messages on the minor prophets. Those are um, a bunch of books at the back of the Old Testament, the last 12 books of the Old Testament. Uh, we were going to cover six of them, but because of last week's cancellation, uh, we're going to be covering five, and uh, Sean was going to preach on Zephaniah. He's just going to keep that sermon in his back pocket and surprise us someday. Uh, with uh, a message from Zephaniah. But we've covered uh, Nahum. He's uh, down here on the bottom, uh, just so you uh, remember who he is. Uh, Nahum, then we covered Habakkuk. Habakkuk's in the top left corner on that side over there. Uh, There he is, uh, just looking fine and dandy. Zephaniah actually is the guy uh, right there. He's a pretty sharp-looking guy, I think. Too bad we missed him. And... um, And then today we're going to be covering Haggai. Haggai is the guy on the right side over here, uh, up there. And uh, we're going to hear uh, about his message to God's people as uh, God speaks to us through his word. Haggai was all about building a temple. That was his message. Haggai is uh, just a tiny little book and um, two chapters long. And it's all about building a temple. That's all that Haggai cared about was, come on, folks, let's build a temple, uh, is what he was saying to the people of uh, Judah. When they returned from captivity, they they had been captured and exiled into Babylon. Uh, Babylon had come in, uh, uh, this is about uh, 6th century BC, so in the 500s, 520, somewhere in there. And uh, Babylon had come along uh, back in 586 and uh, just wiped out Jerusalem, the the great city of of Israel, right? Uh, They just demolished it, and they tore down the temple. And um, so Haggai uh, prophesies at a time when the people were coming back into Jerusalem, back into the area of uh, Judah and Israel, and uh, he's all about building the temple. So what, what's the big deal about building a temple? Well, I want us to first look at uh, temple building throughout the Old Testament to give us an idea of why this matters so much to Haggai. And it already begins with the creation story. Creation is portrayed in Genesis as though it were uh, God building a temple for himself. Back in ancient pagan times, people would build temples and, and the god that they worship or the gods that they worshipped, they would place images of those gods in the temple. So when we read in Genesis that God created the world and he placed his image in creation, he created man and woman, he created human beings in his image and he placed them in creation, it's like God's building a temple. And that theme sets us off thinking about temple building throughout uh, Scripture. 
so that as we uh, get to know the people of Israel, God's gathered people arising out of Abraham, they, uh, the, the person that God came to and said, Abraham, from your descendants, I'm going to create a nation that will bless the whole world. And that nation uh, gathers together, becomes known as Israel. They get uh, enslaved into Egypt. God frees them from slavery, sends them through a wilderness, and promises them a land flowing with milk and honey. And while they're in the wilderness, God gives them precise instructions for building a temple. And we can read all about all of those nitty-gritty details in the latter half of the book of Exodus, which you've probably never read because there's so many details. You go, okay, let's just skip over that part. There's a lot of details. We don't need to pay attention to it. But it's because God is giving the instructions to build a tabernacle, a a makeshift temple, like a tent-like structure that was, was to represent God's presence among the people as they traveled towards the promised land. This was God's presence. This was a a sign that God was constantly with them. And then as they established themselves in the promised land, this is through King Saul and King David, people continue to uh, worship God in the high places, it's called, uh, with tabernacles. And then Uh, David comes along and says, man, I want to build a temple for God. God says, no, 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 not for you. You're you're known as a man of war. I want a man of peace. Your son will build a temple. And so Solomon builds a temple. It's a grand temple, a glorious temple. It's an amazing temple. It's the pride and joy of the people of Israel. It's the temple of God. It's, It's where God dwelt among his people. And the glory of the temple represented the power of the God of Israel. But Israel then divides into the northern kingdom, which was known as as Israel, then the southern kingdom, known as Judah. In 723, Israel is captured, destroyed, and people are sent off. In 586, Judah is conquered and made captive to Babylon, and uh, that temple is destroyed. And then in 520, the king of Persia, the next world power that arises in 520, the king of Persia says, you know what, I want to cover all my bases. So, uh, you know, he sends all of the people that he's captured into their, uh, back into their homelands, and so he sends the people of Judah back to Jerusalem and says, you go there, you build a temple there, because, you know, appease your God, that way, you know, our empire will uh, prosper. And so the people are sent back to Jerusalem. And Haggai is along with them. And that's why Haggai, uh, in his prophetic message here, in two short chapters, emphasizes, come on, people, we've got to build a temple. But it's not just because King Darius uh, said so. But here's, here's what Haggai says in Haggai chapter 1. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, The word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, 
the time, it's the people that were returning from the exile, right? They are captured. Now they're moving back into Jerusalem. They got to start life all over again. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. And then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? That was that, that, how, the uh, temple of Solomon was just in ruins and shambles. Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You're wasting your time, in other words. Wasting your time. These folks are just trying to get by. The prophet Haggai comes along to announce the temple building. It's once again commissioned by God. See, these people, reasonably, I think, reasonably, they, they were moving back into, uh, into Judah and they were busy making a life for themselves. They were just trying to put life back together. They had to rebuild absolutely everything. And they don't have time for a temple structure. That, that's kind of like, like that, the finishing piece. Long after people have established themselves. Because these people, they're just trying to survive. They're just trying to get by. Or at least so they think. But what does it mean to build a life? What does it mean to just get by in life? Is it just about getting ahead? And then, oh, if we have time, yes, let's, let, let, let's pay attention to God. See, Haggai's, Haggai's point is simple. When you're building a life for yourself... You're not just taking care of yourself. You're not just surviving. You're not just getting by in life. You're not just getting ahead. You're called to be a witness to the presence of God. And that is why temple building was so important. You're called to be a witness to the presence of God. How are you going to show that? If the presence of God is missing in the world, it's not because God left. That's what the people thought. They thought, well, the temple is destroyed. That means God's left because otherwise he would have preserved it. But it was in shambles. So maybe, maybe, maybe God's just given up on us. But if the presence of God is missing in the world, it's not because God left. It's because, it's because you've stopped testifying to God's presence in the world. That's Haggai's message to you and me. And so he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says, verse 7 and 8. Give careful thought to your ways. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much, but harvested little. Go up into the mountain and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. So this is what life is all about. Living with a deep awareness that we're living in God's world. This isn't your world. Whatever you've put together isn't yours. It's God's. 
Everything belongs to God, and everything happens according to the purposes of God. Where everything reflects the holiness and splendor of God, that's where you're called to give witness to God's presence. That's hard for us to imagine. That's hard for us to remember that as we go about our lives, we're not just doing this to get ahead. We're doing this to testify to God's presence in the world, but we live in a world that is secularized. It's, it, it separates God and spiritual things. That's, that's over here. And, and it's, it's, it's um, usually regarded as a private part of our lives. And then, and then there's real living. And, you know, that's, that's just the, the, the common stuff. You just your, your, your day-by-day busyness and so on. Life is divorced from God's presence. And we can build a house for ourselves without thinking. Haggai's point is, we can build a house for ourselves without thinking whether God has anything to do with it. But he does. We can advocate for our own personal freedom without thinking about whether God has anything to do with that. We can bask in the glory that a new vehicle brings us without a thought to how it reflects God's holiness. Haggai's word to us this morning is that there is more to life than managing your own self-interests. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 8. In the Gospel of Mark, he says, whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the Gospel will save it. How does that work? Well, it's because life here on earth is lived in order to testify to God's presence that everything belongs to God and that God is active in our world. God is present in our world. God's holiness invades absolutely every aspect of our lives. We were created by God not just to fend for ourselves but to live in a relationship of trust and dependence on God who will provide for us, who will take care of us and who will never, ever leave us. That's why for Haggai, temple building was so important to represent that promise of God to never leave us. For us, it requires not building a physical temple. For us, it requires building our spiritual lives. See, in Haggai's time, the people listen to him and they get busy. They start building a temple. There was a a structure that was familiar to them. They said, okay, yeah, let's put this together. But it's not. But it's very difficult to forget the glory of the past for them. I suspect much of the building was done even begrudgingly for those people. They dragged their feet. They're like, okay, well, if we have to. Because they were wondering, what good would this 
actually do? What difference would it make? They're thinking, I think I have better things to do. I mean, our life is in shambles, and, and this is so hard. Remembering the past glory and, and now coming up with something so dismal. And so Haggai prophesies again as these people gather together and they're like, yeah, okay, I guess you're right. Chapter 2, in the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, it's three weeks later than the first prophecy, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and ask them this. Who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Doesn't it seem to you like nothing? So the temple is built, but but it's nothing like the glory and the splendor of Solomon's temple. Man, back then it was awesome, man. God was really at work back then. It was amazing. Now, well, we built the temple, I guess. Back then it represented power and glory. The lack of beauty of this present temple doesn't seem to to bother God in the least. Bothered the people. It was discouraging to them. They were getting tired, apathetic, and just kind of like hanging loose. But for God, the building of the temple didn't matter how much how 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 glorious the temple was. For God it was the testimony that God was present that God was active in the world. As the rest of Haggai's prophecy announces, verse 4, But now, be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Be strong. Be strong. Be strong. Do not work. Do not fear and work. That's a message for us because we're also disappointed in the way that God's presence is often revealed in the world. We, we think that it should be more powerful. We think it should be more glorious. We think it should be more visible, more obvious, more powerful. And that makes us anxious. Some of us become anxious with frenzy and we get so busy we think we have to build a powerful temple for God to make sure that people are, are shown up in the presence of God. For others of us, we become anxious with apathy, paralyzed, and we just start taking care of ourselves, keeping our head down and never bothering to think about God's presence in the world. See, we need, we need to recognize how temple building proceeds in the New Testament as well. And in our time, what does that mean for us? 
Well, in the New Testament, Jesus said, tear down this temple. That was the temple that was rebuilt here, this second temple. And then Herod added on to it to try to make it look more glorious just for his own political gain. Jesus pointed to the temple and said, tear that thing down and in three days I'll have it rebuilt. Why can he say that? Because Jesus saw himself as the temple of God, present in our world. That means that being faithful to Jesus, knowing Jesus, following hard after Jesus, not only as the truth, but also as the way, following hard after Jesus because he is the life, means having the mind of Christ. To build the temple means to follow hard after Jesus. To build into our lives the mind of Christ, who being the Son of God became the servant of everyone. It means following hard after Jesus, being his hands, being his feet in this world. And then to hear Haggai's message to you and me to say, be strong, get to work, don't fear. Yes, the temple indeed then looks quite different, perhaps not quite as majestic as we would like. I mean, look at the church in North America. It's in disarray, it's in decline. I just went into a conference which the theme was reconstructing evangelicalism. People are nervous. They're wondering, is church going to fall apart? How do we we build this together? How do we make it into what seemed a generation ago, something glorious and powerful? And yet today, the church looks distorted and out of shape. It's grasping for political power, cultural glory, making itself look uglier than ever, in fact. Yes, Jesus, if he is the new temple, doesn't even look very good. He was despised, he was rejected, he was mocked, he was scorned. He was beaten, he was bloodied, he was forgotten. And yet, what could be more powerful than victory over death? Yes, Jesus was disregarded. He often seemed to lack power. He associated with the lowlifes of society. And yet... And yet, Jesus, the presence of God, is the source of redemption and renewal for our world, the beginning of the new creation. He was dead, but he is life for you and me. So it seems to me that we're in a time in which we've forgotten ourselves to build the temple of God. I don't mean building churches. We're good at that. 
What does it mean to build our life so that we testify to the presence of Jesus Christ in this world? As the body of Christ, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we are now the temple of God. We've been busy building a life for ourselves. But now we're tired. Now we're worn out. Some of us are frustrated. Some of us are remembering just former glory. We've stopped paying attention to the careful instructions for building the house of God. It means paying attention to to following Jesus. It means following hard after Jesus, establishing the kinds of patterns and behaviors that will shape your life so that you are a testimony to the presence of God in this world. It means fostering habits that nurture fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How are you doing with that? So this isn't just about whether we've built a house for ourselves. This isn't just about whether we forgot to tithe and instead bought some new furniture for ourselves. It's about whether the way we live our life reflects anything of the way of God in this world whether the shape of our life follows the pattern of God in establishing his purposes, in demonstrating his love for every human being on this planet. It's about whether we live our life reflecting anything of the way of God through Jesus Christ, who humbled himself and became nothing to the power and glory of God alone. Does your life look anything like that? That's what Haggai is calling us to today. Does our church look anything like that? That's what Haggai is calling us to today. Do not fear. Be strong. And let's get to work. Let's pray together. Almighty God, you give us so many incredible opportunities to testify to your presence in this world. But we grab a hold so easily of power and glory for ourselves, to make a name for ourselves, and to impress ourselves. And we pray, God, this morning, forgive us. Forgive us when we've kind of shoved our spiritual lives aside, when we've made them optional, when we've made them uh, convenient for ourselves. Forgive us, God, when we have simply ignored your call. Forgive us, God, when we've not paid attention to you at work in this world. Forgive us when we've become lazy. Forgive us when we've become apathetic. Forgive us, God, when we've essentially given up on you at work in our world because we just don't see it. Give us new eyes to see, God. Give us new ears to hear. 
Give us the mind of Christ so that every turn we make, every action, every word we speak, every, every thought that, that, that comes from us, God, is shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit at work in this world. And so, God, I pray, I pray that as a church, we may continue in this Delaire community to be a sign of your love and your, and your glory. God, that, that people are, are drawn to this place, not because we're glorious, but because they see something else missing in their life. And as we sung before, God, you are the fount of our life by the blood of Jesus. So God, when we're called to sacrifice, help us to be obedient. When we're called to serve, help us to be humble. When we're called, God, to testify of your glory, and if And if we are made to shine, God, let us be the last to know about it. But Lord, let this place be such a place of deep love and community that draws people in. Not just because we're good people, but a community that draws people in because of the very source of life. Jesus Christ him be all the glory and the honor God we devote our lives to you and in this moment we hear your call in this moment God we dedicate our lives to you to serve you all our days in every aspect of our lives we want to make Jesus known we pray this in Jesus name You go before I know that you've even gone to win I war. You come back with the head of my enemy. You come back and you call it by
We have Joshua House here. Um, Ange Krakowski is here. She tells me that uh, some generous people have bought tables, and so they're actually giving away tickets that you don't even have to pay for. But come and hear the stories at this Gala of Grace. Come and hear the stories of God's presence in people's lives, transforming lives. See, the thing is, it's not a matter of building the kingdom. God's already done that through Jesus Christ. It's a matter of showing off the kingdom. It's a matter of kicking aside some of the clutter that gets in the way of seeing God's presence in the world. So join the seniors upstairs and hear the life of Marilyn McIntyre. Many of you met, met her at Esperanza this past summer. Tell her and she'll, she'll tell you the story of her life, of God's presence showing up. Or come to New Life Connects. Join together with a community of Christ that seeks to display the presence of God in this world to show off God's love, God's glory in this world. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you now and every day this week. Amen.